Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'll have a burger and a pint. Oh, that'll do for me. So we ended up th- having a couple of pints where I was in the medical. That's how it mattered. And then he said, oh, by the way, we're paying a million quid for you. Like, Jesus, well, are you sure? And all the, but he was a local boy. Brilliant. He would tackle anybody. He was also an 18-year-old telling Brian Robson, come on, get your foot in you. What are you doing, Eddie? And the lad just looked wrong. I'm having him. Go and tell us, can I have a word? No problem, gaffer. He's going to make sure he's settled in hours of hotel. He says, I'm not sure this is going to work. I mean, what do you mean, so? I'm not sure you're our sort of player. And then the next season, we won the first 15 games, or 14 games. He was flying. So we agreed that we're all just as Elton John in this pub in Watford. It's brilliant. Well, Hyde Helgerson lost his fancy football, but he had a stutter. I mean, a bad stutter. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the 442 podcast. Today, Liam, we've got Neil Cox, formerly of Scunthorpe, Aston Villa, Middlesbrough, Bolton Wanderers, Watford, Cardiff and Crew. Also been a manager and an assistant and a coach. And England under-21s. And also the best golfer on the channel we've ever had. Get that right in now. I'd agree with that. Alton Oil. Right, Scunthorpe United. I love this stat, Neil. I think this is mint. This is what the club thought of you. 13-year-old, you were taken away on away games. Is that right? That's right, yeah. So I used to go in as a kid just to help behind the goal and pick balls up and train and things like that. And uh, they was wanting me to sign schoolboy forms at the time. Schoolboy forms were big. I didn't. Anyway, the manager pulled me in. We trained with the first team on a Friday. He said, what are you doing tomorrow? So I'm doing nothing. He said, we've got a game. Get your shirt and tie on. You come with the first team. He's playing away at Burnley. And uh, I had to borrow my dad's British Rail tie. The old British Rail tie. The shirt was a bit baggy. But I went on there and went to watch away at Burnley. I think there was about 24,000 there on the day. So to get away at 13, sat in the dressing room, sat on the bench with the first team and a manager at the time. Frank Barlow. It was a brilliant experience. There's some going there. I'm more thinking now, 13-year-old, <clears throat> what are you doing with a shirt and tie? <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't. I think I think I definitely borrowed my dad's British Rail tie. And I can remember when it had a little British Rail badge on it because I was in. But I like dodgy tie that I used to... Uh, sorry, dodgy shirt I used to wear for school. The white shirt was meant to be white. And then just went in there, a pair of trousers and then the old dodgy jacket and got away with it. Wow. 
Shows you what they thought of you, though, because, I mean, it's quite intimidating for a 13-year-old, yeah. really. Yeah, I'd been in there, what I'd been going in there every school holiday since I was about seven or eight, just stand behind the first-team players, and the ball went over in training or at the grain, come and have a look in, and started joining training at 12 and 13 with them, and I think they were trying to get me to sign, and they'd seen me as a schoolboy going to Chef Wednesday on trial and something like that, and they just went, thought, well, we'll keep this lad on board, and every time there was a school holiday, they invited me in, trained with the first team or whatever, just to keep me in and around the place, really. It was good, a good ideal for me. Breaks you in, so, doesn't it? Yeah, breaks really? me in, saw some characters that would never be allowed in football no more. The <laughs> stuff they go up to, you can imagine. But it was good for me to, to realise what you had to do to be a professional footballer. And I think it was a start, even at a young age. It's actually the second Scunthorpe United player we've had in, isn't it? Mark Atkins. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. played with Mark. Mark yeah. was a few years older than me, yeah. Played with Mark. He went and left and went to Blackburn, I think. Did really well. Won the Premiership with Blackburn, that's right, yeah. Did you come through with Graham Alexandra and Richard Hall? So, yeah, that was our first year. We, we went as a 16, left school, and we was all in the same apprenticeship. I think it was 11 of us was the first time. 11 lads got ready for the Premier, the YTSs at the time. And three of us got took on, obviously, myself, Graham Alexander and Richard Hall. Me and Hall, he moved on the same day. So we went to Southampton on the same day when I moved to Aston Villa. Oh. Do you remember your debut? For Scunthorpe, yeah. my debut was away at Halifax on a Saturday, muddy afternoon at the Shea. Shea. I got that we got there at quarter past three. There was a breakdown on the M62. Mm-hmm. So obviously we got there late. I played number 10. What? I played as a number 10. My debut was at number 10 for Scunthorpe. That's what I was. I was attacking midfield player. I had a couple of injuries. My first game, get dragged, get dragged to right back. And then I stayed there for the next 16 games for Scunthorpe. And then that's where the move came about. Number 10. Number 10. No. Crazy. How many goals did number? you get? One. Pardon? How many goals for Scunthorpe did you get? I only got one. But I put me back to right back. So That's I went back right. to right back. So the right, next, I think I only played 25 games for Scunthorpe. I think about 17 league games. Then the move came about. But I'd been playing right back. Did the move like come out of the blue? Or were the scouts yeah. looking and you yeah. knew all about it? Well, yeah, me and Ollie were both what, 18 at the time. And, and there was there was loads of clubs. We used to play first-team football at 18 in, in proper League 2, which was old-school man's league. You got battered, you got clouted. Mm. And teams were watching, and I think they'd had two or three bids um, and knocked a couple of bids back. And Tottenham both come in for both of us to go there. Uh, through Ray Clements, obviously, he was a Scunthorpe legend. He'd been to watch his both and said, Tottenham needs to go there. But just couldn't agree with fee for us both going together. There was no sell-ons or anything like that. So, I'd say a couple of weeks later, he went to Southampton and I went to Aston Villa. Back at Scunthorpe, do you, when you say you were young, did any of like the old pros then, because they were proper old pros, take you under the wing? I, there was. Obviously, Mark Lillis came in, who I took as my assistant. He joined from Aston Villa. Um, unbelievable character, but he trained like it was his last training session. And he was only 31 when Mark came in. He was in the gym, did extra. And you knew he'd, he played for top teams, Manchester City, Aston Villa, Derby. And you knew he was a top player. And he took us into his wing, under his wing, really. Showed us how to train properly. Shows how to recover properly at the time, but also showed us, right, come on, get in the car, let's go for a couple of beers, have a chat about football and stuff like that. So you learnt from the senior boys, right, that's it, get yourself home, drop me off, you've had enough beers, get yourself home. And he was good like that, mm. but on the training side of it, it was excellent. He, he was fit, he was strong, he was in the gym, he did everything right. And for us at that age, I mean, especially Ollie and Graham Alexander, we're 16, 17, looking at a pro who's played top, top level, and he was brilliant around the place. Do you reckon it's missing now? You don't get that no more, do you? I don't think you're getting as much. 
I, I think you, you listen to the top people on the on the TV programs. They say there's no characters in the dressing rooms. There's no leaders no more. And and you look at the big clubs, and I don't know. Roy Keane goes on about it. There's no leaders at Manchester United, and that's what the problem is. When you play with them leaders, you become you either become a leader and follow them, or you get pushed out of the game a little bit. You don't have to be a screamer, a shouter, or a kicker. You just have to show the how what you're good at, and especially you have to treat the young lads with respect. But also tell them when they're doing wrong. You shouldn't be doing that. I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but you've been a manager recently. Did you have that problem in the in the dressing room? I had a major problem in the dressing room, and, I, and my chairman had brought most of the players in, and he brought no characters in. Mm. He brought young lads in that wasn't good enough, that thought they was too good, and they sulked when they wasn't playing, even though they was not deserved to play. And I needed to get some characters in, and, and when I managed to get some characters in, when I brought them in, um, Jem Carrican, who, who played Champions League football two years before, mm. used to play for Bolton, I brought him in on next to nothing. He was on nothing. He he ran the dressing room for me. If people were late, he said, oh, what are you doing? Yeah. We're playing today. You can't do that. You can't do that. And so the dressing room is run around the players. Like we played, John, that's what it's run. Absolutely. The dressing room run the players. Now, players are not really bothered. Do what they want, come in what they want most of the time. And the manager gets a backlash when he tries to stamp down. Exactly. When yeah. you stop it, and then obviously they're not happy with it, and then their agent's on the phone, why are you told to him? Like, why is he not playing? Let the boy come and knock on my door and explain to him. But you don't see that as much as you used to. But John used to do it, and I used to do it. I wasn't happy with the manager. He was a knock on his door. He said, come on in, sit down. And he was honest with you. Now you get their agents ring on. I had even parents ringing me. Why am I, Why is my son not playing? So and now... I was like, oh, my goodness. It's everybody but the player. Everybody the player's not his fault. No. So I'm talking about, like you were saying there, sulking. I reckon, no, a player sulking can do more impact with, like, a WhatsApp group and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't have that back in the day, would well, you? No, no. And that's the problem now. You, and I, I've, I've said not been managing for two years, but I still speak to some managers. Some of these coaches send their, their teams out by WhatsApp. Yeah. So, the, what, so oh, he's not playing. So there's no argument. None of that stood in front of anybody. You've done it on WhatsApp. It's not playing. Well, I'm not turning up to the game now. I've been told on WhatsApp. I can't be right. Well, you, as a manager, need to see their reaction as well. Yeah. So when they're told they're not in the team or they're not playing, you can tell whether it's hurt them or not. Yeah. Or whatever. So you, you know what I mean? You know where you stand with them. Do you know when you see the good players and you would have played with them like I did? Do you know when the manager comes and says, well, this is the starting 11, this is the probably two subs when we was playing. You see the sub space and they, and they used to come, come on, lads, let's win this. And you think, and that lad was only sub. The other lads were saying, well, I can't really even bother to say, sub, sub like mad behind you. And he said, go get one, be coming on. Oh, do I have to come on? And, but the lads that you think, I like him. He's cheering in the dressing room. We've got, he's, he's encouraging everybody. Yeah. That's what you want around the place. They're you the know, good lads. You know when you're 2 0 down, they're the ones that dig you out. They're the ones that dig you out. And that's what football's all about. It's not yeah. when we're winning, everybody plays well. But when you're 2 0 down, you need the characters around the place. Come on, lads, we'll get some out of here. And that 2 2 draw away from home can get you right up where you need yeah. to be. And there's a problem having characters in the house. Right, Neil, £400,000 move to Villa. Yeah. This bit I love. Club record for Scunthorpe at the time. Yeah. Receiving feet. But also, Villa had to put in 2,000 new seats. That's right. Behind That's a cracker, in. that, innit? So that I, is... I moved for 400,000 and 2,000 seats that they had to put in, in blue, because obviously Aston Villa used to play in claret and blue. So they had to order more um, seats to put in the uh, Glanford Park behind the goal, because obviously things changed then. Away fans used to allow to stand, stand up. But because the rules changed because of the Hillsborough, they had to put seats in. They thought, oh, we'll do a deal here. We'll get 400,000 for him and 2,000 seats. And the seats are still there now. 
That is mental. <laughs> I've not heard nothing of that. Was it McAtee or was he footballs or something? No, cool. tracksuits. Tracks well, yeah. yeah. track so my seats are still there now. So That's a great one, that. 12 for you. Crazy. Should be the Neil Cox stand. Yeah, it should be, yeah. Not facing the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it like going Villa from Scunthorpe? Because that is chalk and cheese, isn't it? Yeah, it was a massive change. It's quite funny because I played at home on the Saturday against Torquay and scored my first goal and then got a telephone call on the Sunday morning. It's about three foot with, with snow. My mind said, listen, you're going to move tomorrow. Bill Green at the time. You're going to move. We don't know where you're going. It's about five or six clubs. The chairman's just doing a deal. So coming tomorrow, the shirt and tie on. There was no agents at the time. He said, come on with your shirt and tie on and then we'll, we'll find out where you're going. He says, no problem. So I turned up in the morning. said, look, done a deal, going to Aston Villa. So he took me, the manager took it. Me and my dad down to Villa Park. Venglos, uh, Dr. Venglos was in charge at the time. Never met Doc, Dr. Venglos. We just went in to see Mr. Uh, L, uh, Doug Ellis. I mean, this food spread he put on with him was unbelievable. The food was immaculate. So we sat there, my dad's having this food and scoffing away and they're talking money. My dad's looking at me and it's like, we'll offer you this amount of money. And I went, mm, probably need a bit more. My dad went, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've worked for British Rail for 35 years. I've never earned that much money. That'll do him. And I looked at my dad thinking, Jesus Christ, 400 grand I'm moving for. So, but then Mr. Ellis was brilliant. He said, no, no, we're going to give him a little bit more and make sure he settles in and put money into his pension. He's not allowed to touch his money. They're asking that all the young kids get a pension and we'll pay into it. That's how it started, really. Had that, what a club it was. They looked after everything and they did. The football club looked after everything. Do you know what? I didn't need to do that. Didn't. <laughs> Tim could have touched it then, but he said, no, no, this is what we pay our, our players. I know you're coming in for a bit more money, so we have to pay a bit more, but we're going to give you signed on fees. That's going to go into your pension. You're not allowed to touch. Not allowed to touch until you retire. And that was what it was, Mr. Well, it was like that. And that gets you off to a good start. Of course it, it does. It was even better because I was only... I, so I'd signed, I travelled back to Scunthorpe. The next day I got the train to Aston Villa and we flew to Hong Kong the next day. So no time to think about it. You're no right time. straight in there. I was straight there, flew to Hong Kong just because they had a break. So we had, I think it was about 12 days in Hong Kong with all the players. What was your first training session like? Or was it in Hong a night Kong. out? Well, it was, a first, it was a night out. We got there. I can remember getting to the airport and we had, there was David Platt, there was Nigel Spinks, there was Paul McGrath. And that was all in the bar. And I was like, I said, Coxie, come in for a drink. And I know one or two of them because I just introduced him. So I need to get some money out. And I had this envelope. I said, no, oh, I get, so get, have a look at your envelope. I said, what do you mean? So I thought, that's my ticket. And it wasn't, they'd give you a thousand pounds to travel with. I'd been on 90 quid a week at Scunny, and they'd give me a thousand quid to travel with just so they give some expense money. What I was doing, I was thinking, I'll get these lads. <laughs> you know I mean? Let me get this right. So you're on 90 pounds a week. I was on 90, yeah. 400,000 pounds move to Aston Villa. Yeah. 24 hours later, you're in Hong Kong or at the airport mm. with an envelope. You fought with your ticket. What was my ticket? And it was a thousand pound cash. Yeah. Spending money. Spending money. Spending money to go on, on. And when we got on the plane, I, when I looked, I didn't have a look at the ticket. I just followed the rest of the lads. We were only sat in first class. So I'm sat in first class. I've just been playing at home to Torquay. Now we're on this plane with free drinks. They're just coming round and bringing, where did it all go wrong? Put <laughs> a grand in your back pocket. grand in your back pocket. Nice. Some story. It that. was mad. And that's how, that's how my Aston Willis career started. Who did you look up to straight away? Did you look and think, I well, want to be like them? To be fair, everyone got on with with everybody. Mark Lewis had been, as I said, been up there, so he said everybody, Neil Cox is going to get on really well. And his first time he's moved, look after him. But, I mean, David Platt was unbelievable. He really looked after you. He tried to wind you up, tried to put you in the shit. He hid me out of people's way. But also, this is what I do to him. Make sure you're down early, come and do a little bit extra. He was brilliant. 
party. And as you say, every day he used to practice overhead kicks by crossing. Cox, he'd come out and do some crossing for me. He never edited it. He just practices overhead kicks okay. every day. Him and Gordon Cowles used to be. And I used to go out with him. Think, oh, this lad's unbelievable overhead kicks. And you look at it, he scores in the World Cup for England by practicing overhead kick. He practiced him. And people look at him like that. Some characters, Big Paul, Big Paul, Paul McGrath. McGrath. I mean, I was Aston Villa for four years. I only seen him train once in four years. Is that true? And that is true. But a Rolls Royce. Unbelievable. He was the best player by a million miles every year. Yeah. He could run, he was quick, he could head it, he could do everything. He just couldn't pass it because his knees were sore. So he just did. Give it five yards to me and tell Monster. Never said a boo to a goose, but he was unbelievable. Was he a silent assassin as well? Or he was, was a it? silent yeah. assassin. Yeah, he had, obviously he had these problems with the alcohol and mm. he turned up every week. Uh, he didn't turn up to train because nobody ever saw him. He turned up on a Friday, have a hot bath, maybe sit in the go into the jacuzzi on a bike for 10 minutes, get a sweat on. That was it. I'd be by a match every week. Read the game so well. I read the game so well. Unbelievable. Powerful, quick, yeah. unbelievable. But quietest man ever. You know, I've had that. I look at him at my age. And thought he'd be like this nasty low no. defender, like no. you know, like giving it elbows, giving no. it like softly spoken Irishman. But yet again, there was myself, there was Hugo Ekiog, there was Brian Small, there's loads of young he looked at and we all looked up to him. Mm. Even though he did everything that was wrong to be professional at the time, but when he played on a Saturday, man of the match every week. A bit of a Fantastic. freak, really, when you it look was, at it. Yeah. Because you know, to sustain that level of performance week yeah. in, week out. He was still playing international football as well yeah. for Ireland in the World Cups and still getting and he was playing middle midfield then. Unbelievable. He was an unbelievable, unbelievable player. But I said, what a great guy as well. Do you remember your proper league debut? My league debut for Aston Villa. I remembered my, my first game I played for Aston Villa properly was in the Zenith Data. Remember that game? Yeah, we played, them, we played Forest at home. And Forest played a full team and I, and I played right midfield. I got on the half turn and Stuart Pearce absolutely smashed me. I mean, smashed me, but I mean, Rosette Villa Park. And then after that, I was in the wall for a free kick and his P- Pacey's looking up and he just seen me on the TV. He was on the TV, just put my head and he must have whistled past there. Went right in the top corner. Oh, Ron Atkinson went absolutely mad. He said, you moved. And I must have gone like that. I would have never stopped it, but he said, I think that's why he's had long hair at the time. He must have took half of it off. And, Jesus. <laughs> well, so that was my debut there. Stuart Pierce. Stuart Pierce. Psycho. But they, they played a full team. We made chops and changes, Ron did. But that's when Forrest and Brian Club, no, nah, no, nah, I let him play the full team. But that was a learning experience playing against him. Was he intimidating then? Was it tight shorts, big massive thighs? Big thighs and growled at me. And when he picked me up, he picked me up like that. Oh, he just, I mean, didn't try and grab me up. He just pinched pinch me as he picked me up. But that's welcome to the big boys game. I did catch him later on. He never moaned at anything. He said, he said I deserve that. So I'll get you, you come back for me. Yeah. And that's how it was. That's how it was then. Man. And you'd expect it, wouldn't you? He would expect, yeah. Absolutely. If I didn't, he would have gone, I've got him. That's it. Caught him later on nastily. No, no, good as gold. I had a beer afterwards. Tap me on the shoulder. Don't mind that. I was eight, 19 year old kid. Respect that, isn't it? It's is. man's game, isn't it? Well, we don't have no more, innit? It was a man's game. As you said, they kick you, you kick them. Long, and you wasn't dirty. You never did anybody. Maybe the odd player used to do so, but nobody used to do anybody. Them days when I was playing, then they'd gone. But you used to leave one in on people. Get your bid in first, didn't Get you? your bid in first, exactly. Yeah. Get your job done first, because you know it's going to come. You know he's going to smash you. And he did. <laughs> Definitely did. Was it Ron who come up with that? Because if he used to say something wrong, didn't he? He used to say loads of stuff wrong. But that like you're a load of free one, isn't he? Yeah, so? that's what he used to say. That, that was not George Graham used to say to Tony Adams and to Bold, go smash him early on. You've got a free one. And he got and they did. Them two did. John used to play sent forward. Tony Adams used to come and trample you and all that. Like, and they pick you up. And the referee, uh, there's your one. Yeah. Sorry like, about that. Yeah, sorry about <laughs> that. They just, just smashed you and all that. Like, they, that's, yeah. that's old school. Well, you can't do that no more, can you? No. 
Which is good, really, because some of the time you used to come straight through the back if you didn't. But again, it was part and parcel. Of course it was. You knew it was coming, didn't yeah. you? You knew it was coming. Yeah. So here's one for you. The big boys at Villa. You're a Man United fan. Wembley. Yeah. Villa v United. Yeah. Final, League Cup. Come on to Steve Staunton. Yeah. What was that yeah. like? That was good. I was disappointed because I'd played in every game to the final. Oh, so I played in every game. I played in every game. We'd started off Birmingham City. They'd not played Birmingham City for 25 years. We played them home and away. I think we won one nil away. Kevin Richards saw it, and at home the fans kicked off. There was so much trouble in the ground, like they'd not played each other. They hated each other. So it was loads of trouble. Then we played the next, and we'd, we'd gone all over Sunderland away, Tottenham away, Arsenal away, Tranmere at home and away in the semi final. We got beat at Tranmere three one, and then we went to penalties at home on the on the second leg. Come to the final, I was a little bit disappointed that he'd changed back to the strong team. But get on the sub in the final and win 3-1 against, oh. against Man United team then. Robson, Ince, all the big boys were out. Cantona, Bruce Pallister. It was like unbelievable, really. Let's rewind. Can't leave this out. What was his chat to you? Rons. For playing, starting all the games in the final, you Nothing. know. Nothing. Do you know what we did? And... They probably wouldn't do it now. Definitely wouldn't do it now. So every away game used to go, say it was a Tuesday night game, Ron used to travel on a Monday. So in the, in the Monday night, we'd have a few beers. Have a few beers. And now in the next round... Have the bond, the crack. Yeah, everything. we'd have a few more beers. And it wasn't two or three halves. It was five or six halves. Gets to the quarterfinals. When we was away, I think it was a Tottenham away. There was like eight or nine halves. When we got to the final, we was in this hotel in London. There was beer, there was wine, there was everything. That was Ron's way of relaxing everybody. Don't worry about it. Have a few beers if you want to have a few beers. And by the time he'd sub come, he was like, and the team's going to be, you know, I've got do some paracetamols. I've got a bit of hangover here. And he was that the way to do it. And he just relaxed everybody. And that's that's why Ron did it. We just chilled out and had a few beers and have one if you want one. If you don't want one, don't worry about it. But it was only in one room. There's nobody could see us. Just had a bit. And we had karaoke on the day of the cover. Everybody had to sing. Let's go up and karaoke and all the, only the lads there. Like like Dean Sauna was up there singing and having a He's few He's a bit. character, yeah. yeah. But he was so relaxed. That's how he did it. Wait, Stan what? Boardman was in there. So Stan Boardman came in, did about an hour of jokes with us and laughing. We had two East Germans in our camp at the time and he battered the Germans at the time. And these tell the lads with, who's this bloke battering the Germans? And then he was on our bus on the way to Wembley telling us jokes and stuff like that. Just, so just chilled. Just chilled. Chilled, unbelievable. It worked, didn't it? Yeah. Got a forward line here. Tell me how much you think these will be worth now. Dean Saunders, Dwight York and Dalian Atkinson. Oh, yeah. He scored one of the best goals I've ever seen. Yeah. At Wimbledon. The two, yeah. yeah, I played in that game. Yeah. Dalian was, Dalian was one of them players that he needed. I mean, I felt for Rum because he had all the ability in the world. He, if he'd got his heart head down to it, he could have been the best player. Quick, strong score, goals could end and everything. He just had that laid back. He made a few quid as a young age as well. He obviously went to Rail Sociedad, made a few quid, drove around in a Porsche convertible, and but he never put his heart into it. He was a top player. Not, then, did he not get his best out of his talent? Then? No, I don't think he did. But then you look at Dwight York and you look at Dean Saunders. Dean Saunders was a dream to play with for a fullback. He used to get it on your foot, put it in the channel, and it'd be a crap ball, but he'd run after it, and people used to say, what a great ball that was. No, because he'd run after it. He'd make it a good one. He'd make it a good one. And, and York, he was like that. So them three were unbelievable. Dalian was what give it to my feet. If it was a yard each side of him, he probably wouldn't make move too much. The others were brilliant. But Dalian was as good goal. Looked after all the young kids. 
just expect him to go, go and be that top player that everybody thought he could be. It's some team, though, that. I think you touched on some. I remember, is Because he played for a long time. Cowens, Gordon Cowens. Gordon Cowens, yeah. What a player he was. Yeah, Gordon Cowens. I, obviously, I, he was, that was his second spell. He'd left and gone to Udinese before, played in Italy and everything, and he came back. Gordon Cowens, unbelievable. The European Cup winner. Him, Nigel Spinks. I was playing with these two lads who'd won the European Cup in 82, and I'm playing playing with them. And Sid was good. He got you out every day. What are you doing this afternoon? Nothing. And this is no word of a lie. We used to go into the corner and get dozen golf balls and just practice our wedge play. Then we used to get the footballs out and clip the clip the balls trying to hit the crossbar. Get the golf balls out, a couple of wedges on the training ground, get the footballs out to get the crossbar. That's what we did every afternoon. Were you playing golf at Villa then? We was playing golf at the Villa on the training ground. That's and we used to... one of the best golfers yeah. we've ever had on here. And that's it, had me out every afternoon. When you get your wedge out, the, the groundsman used to do a little bit, cut the grass even shorter so we'd get some wedges in, put a flag out of 110 yards and then we used to put a golf uh, crossbar and hit the footballs and then hit the... This is this is great. I, I, honestly, that Villa team though, that was a sweet yeah. team, wasn't it? Yeah, some good players about. But good back players. in the day, Holt End, yeah. terraced, terraced, what an atmosphere that were. That was unbelievable. It still is now when you go there, but it's not the same. But we had some, we had some unbelievable nights. I did it as a young kid, thinking unbelievable this is. I mean, we we played so many games. I'll never forget the Tranmere game. I was two 0 down. There was two leagues below us, I think. Aldridge and, and them sort of boys were playing. It was a good side at the time. Nice and foot. Steel was manager and it was good for the place erupted when we went through. I mean, erupted. And now thinking, I'm never going to see anything like this again. And, and you probably didn't. Because obviously after that night, I went to different sort of clubs. I played more, but Aston Villa was a massive, massive club. And you don't realise, so you walk out of that club and you're not there every week and playing in front of somebody else. They go, oh my God, that is incredible. And there was. Every time you went anywhere... There was thousands and thousands of Aston Villa fans everywhere. Everywhere. Do you not think that's like most clubs, really? You don't really appreciate it, maybe, until you've... Yeah, you've done. I didn't. Until and, you've I, and, I, and I say, it was one of them. I didn't want to leave. I had to leave to play games. I think I'd, play, I think I'd been there four years and only played 70, 60 games. I only started 60 games. I was sub a lot because I could play in any position. That's why I was sub a lot. But I just wanted to start a career. I played at Scunthorpe and played so many games. Now I'm at a team playing 10 games a season. Not really what I wanted to do, really. That's why I had to make that decision. So when the move come from Middlesbrough, there was other people in for you? There was a few in. There was a few in. As you say, I just started playing at the end of that season. Uh, we played. I played. Scored at Old Trafford. Got man of match at Old Trafford, and had a ding dong with a couple of Man United players. And with a bit of scuffling and having a fight in the tunnel, they was top. We were second. First year of the Premiership. This would have been when Man United went on I to win. Remember this year. Yeah. So we was all having battles in there and. And I can remember Robson saying something to me. I said, are ah, you too old, Robson? Let it go, you know what I mean? And he went, he wasn't happy with that comment. Are hey, you, you cheeky little? Ah, you can. He was effing and blinding, a bit of scuffling in the in the dressing room. And then Big Paul McGrath walked down the tunnel and then everybody scarped because nobody was going to mess with Big Paul. And that's how the move came. But I ended up going to Middlesbrough because of that, that day. What was your chat with Big Ron then? Did he say, right, we're going to let you go? Or was he like, stay? No, Big Ron was, Big Ron was listen, we've had a bid for you. Um, we need some money in. He, he wasn't good with kids. Big Ron wasn't good with kids. He wanted experienced players in because he couldn't coach. We never had one coaching day at the Villa when Ron was there. We just played five sides every day. So was he like he said? Was he like a party man, stayed out of the way? Just he used to join in every five. He used to join in every eight, eight side. He used to have the bin bin bag underneath, so he had a sweat on, and he used to give me a puskus. And I was like, puskus. <laughs> I didn't know puskus. Well, he used to come out with these names, and I was like, I've got no idea. But if he was on his side, it was a nightmare. 
because he was a man short yeah. and he'd give it away and blame everybody else. Oh, what are you doing? I was like, oh my God, the lads, the young lads used to hate me, you know But he never coached us. He just played every day from first day of pre-season. We had no running, just 8v8, 8v8. If you weren't in the 16, you went on to play 8v8 on another pitch, that's all we did. So I didn't learn anything. I'd left Scunny. He did bring Dave Sexton in for a while, which is the ex-Man United manager. He coached us a little bit. He was brilliant. Yeah. But he was pl- just play games. Not worry about it. Just play games, have a few beers and enjoy yourself. Scary, isn't it, really? Scary, really, yeah. And he'd it, gone Man United. You can understand why we never won the league at Aston Villa, even though we had the players to, Townsend, Richardson's, Houghton, Staunton's, them players, because we never coached, never said, right, we're going to settle, we're going to go play away at Tottenham, this is how we're going to stop Tottenham. Nah, we're four four two. That's how we're playing. Don't go on with that, Chops. Yeah, go on with that. <laughs> Don't worry about anybody else. It's just what we do. And you looked at it and go, we're at places at the end of it. We got beat at a place. Gone. But I've done a little bit more organisation. Did some set plays. I did this. We might have won the, won the Premiership. I suppose that's a question you'll ask, isn't it? You, you keep going over things and you look back and you think, I wonder what we could have done. Yeah, could have done. If we put I mean, the we work was, on the we training. We six points, six points clear with yeah. 10 games to go. I think we lost it by eight points. We just collapsed. Made a few changes wrong. We never got organised. He's chopping, changing. Couldn't find his best side. That's what happens. Feel fire. Yeah, you mean nice that. No wicks today. Yeah, yeah. So, so ninety-four like Middlesbrough first one million pound player. Didn't have a clue, did you? No idea. Didn't have a clue. But I would imagine with Steve Gibson, it worked for long, were it? No, it wasn't, and that was the main thing. Obviously, I'd got the telephone call. We'd gone end of season trip. We'd gone to South Africa with Villa. And we was in South Africa and we was having a few drinks by the pool. And I hear the telephone call and Brian Robson had rang me, but I'd missed the call. And then we were sat by the pool having a few drinks and I could hear the woman on the time. And I said, Ron Atkinson, Brian Robson on the phone for you. And I knew that. Here I go, lads. And Robson said, can I have a word? I said, yeah, we just had a bid for you. I said, okay. So said, Middlesbrough. And I said, I didn't know nothing about it. So I stayed the rest of the trip. And then I, I went up a couple of days later to meet Robbo and Viv and Mr. Chairman at the time. Never mentioned anything about the tunnel. The Mangan no, I didn't mention anything. He just liked me as a character then, but he said, I like the way you play. It's quite funny because I was sat in the uh, old Ayrson Park and it was like a run-down football stadium and he was struggling a little bit. And I, I was sat in there waiting. I was like nervous, no agent thinking, what's going to happen here? And no agent he, again? No agent again, no. So I, I didn't, the agents were about there, but I just thought, that doesn't matter. I'm playing football. If I'm, I've been on 90 quid a week. didn't really matter. The, the money was never an option in my head. Never thought about it. I just wanted to play football. So I can remember sat inside and hear this, this massive tractor noise. And all of a sudden, I looked round and this bloke walked in and he had jeans on a T-shirt. And he went, all right, Coxie. I went, all right. So then I saw down the stairs, Robbo and Viv come down and they said, all right, all right Gaffer and all that. I'm not signing for you. So you've met the chairman. No, no, no. I've met the groundsman. I said, no, that's the chairman. I said, Oh, no, he came in a tractor. No, no, that's his car. He had this massive, big souped-up car. And I, he came in jeans. And he was a young... He was only 26, 27 at the time. And I, I said, all right, mate, to him. I didn't realise it was the chairman of the football club. That's how it started. And then... Was the price did, sagging your head, though? It was a little bit afterwards, after they tell you. But by the time we'd done it and they were doing the press, Viv and Robbo said to me, come on, we'll go down. There was no food at the ground. Come on, we'll go down to this place in off the park or whatever it's called. A little place. Five-minute walk. So we get all of the menu, and I'm looking at the menu. He says, what do you want to drink? I said, I'll have a sparkling water and a lasagna. Robbo went, what? I'm sparkling. That's it, the deal's off. I'll have a burger and a pint. Oh, that'll do for me. So we end up having a couple of pints for as if they were medical. 
That's how it mattered. And then he said, oh, by the way, we're paying a million quid for you. I was like, Jesus, well, are you sure? That's how was, that's part, part of it. That was the start, wasn't it, though? Yeah, that was the start of it. They did brilliant for Middlesbrough. That tone and yeah. that era was good Matt. as any. It's like Bolton with yeah. AJ, just unreal, wasn't it? It was, because we'd played against Bolton regular, and we? we'd been, you'd gone up, we'd come down yeah. there, and, and to get there then, the two towns were exactly the same. The fans was behind you. The omen away was unbelievable. And at the same, Bolton knew they was going to move to a new stadium. Middlesbrough moved to but they didn't want to move. They wanted to stay there, because all the mates had been sat there for 25 years with them. The atmosphere was brilliant, and Ayrson Park was electric. But you have to move at times, don't you? Well, you have to move with the times, but what a time for you yeah. to move to that club because that was the time, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, I was very fortunate. And as you say, as you walked in, the chairman had this picture of his new, new stadium. This is what we're building. And I'll, I'll take you now if you want. It's what, you've already started it. I'd already had a new stadium at Scunthorpe United. They left the old showground and gone to Glanford Park. Then we went, turned up and this, he showed us round. I was like, wow, this is going to be some place. But Ayrson Park was electric. 25, 28,000 fans in there. The place was monstrous with noise it was just a great place the pitch was amazing just a good place to think with the backing you had players were coming in better players were coming in he was playing with great players Big Nigel signed Nigel Pearson signed Clayton Blackmore signed uh, Jan Agafjortov signed God he were a player wasn't Jan Aga, yeah. Alan Miller my mate who I, who he came signed on the same day he signed from Arsenal we've come get best mates like unbelievable that was all at this place but we had such a good team spirit and when it went badly the manager never had to say anything. The lads would dig each other out and take it. If you had a bad game, your fault, you got it. But you had to take it. Yeah. Next week, if somebody else's fault, you, then what, the manager didn't have to say a lot. We're here to get promoted, lads. Do your job properly. And that's what it's about. And that's how it was. But, you know, earlier on, we touched on leadership. That was it. That was it. It was a dressing room full of yeah. leaders. And yeah. they policed the dressing room themselves. Exactly. And we had some good... We had Jamie Pollock, a young Jamie Pollock. Yeah. You know Jamie. Yeah. He's mad as they come and all, but he was a local boy. Brilliant. He would tackle anybody. He's also an 18-year-old telling Brian Robson, come on, get your foot in here. What are you doing, Edit? And the lad just looked around, I'm having him. And that's what Jamie, because he was playing for his hometown club. And everybody yeah. everybody bought in. The fans bought in how we're going to play. We wasn't brilliant on the ball. We never kept, we wasn't a Bolton side. We kept it and passed it with the Colin Todd. They was a good footballer side. We was an old school 4-4-2. Got it forward, got it wide, crossed it. Hendry and Paul Wilkinson at the time were unbelievable, them two. That's the way we played. Great foul. Yeah, we had Danny Wilson on. Yeah. And he said when he got John Hendry to Bars, uh, Barnsley, yeah. the last piece of the jigsaw were getting Wilkinson. Yeah. Because yeah. them two just know how to do it. I tell you what, Paul Wilkinson was better. People didn't realise when he never played how good he was. He was six foot three. He run for fun. He wasn't quick, but every time he played a ball, he'd hold it up and it gives you a chance to get on the pitch. He wasn't prolific at Mills, but he scored 15 goals a season. But when he's come back and defend, he'd first person to put his head out on that corner come in. I'd go, oh, miss, miss, miss Paul Wilkinson. And when he went, I can remember when he went Barnsley, Middlesbrough, you'll miss him. He did miss him. Yeah. He was an handful, he was. But they had two, a good career, hadn't he? The two of them were telepathic. Yeah, because, yeah. Really, they knew yeah. each other. I mean, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, good, good partnership. partnership. Really good. So the wee Brazilian come in, Janino. Yeah. You've already touched out on the golf course. Yeah. He just went into the culture full... Full throttle, didn't he? Full, he was one of the lads, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, he came in. As you say, we had no training ground at the time. So we'd gone to the new stadium and we was training at, at Ayrson Park still. So the pit did not knocked it down yet. So he was on there and he was thinking, oh, this is brilliant. He's got his own stadium to train at. He didn't have no idea. And then by the time he came come in, Big Nigel was a, he was a, a doodler. So uh, wherever he sat, he didn't have a number. Big Nigel would draw a caricature of you. 
So obviously Janino came in. He had this little pencil body and this massive head and on and that's your seat. He's looking around the place and then we had a little, you had to have a water catcher in the thing to press up and the water glug 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 come out and you have your cup. Well, Big Nige used to put goldfish in it. And the first day Janino took me, he had having this water and the old goldfish swims <laughs> up. He's looking around, going, what are this mad? But he joined in. Laughing. Laughing and joking. When we had a night out, he was on a night out. If he went to the races, as we said, he went to the races. He was brilliant. All his family came over. I can remember one night we went out, his dad came out, his mum and sister came, and they had a house in a village in Gubby Barwick. And then one night we're having a few beers after the game, he said, I'll bring your dad. So his dad come, dad come when his dad's having a few beers and, and Janino's out and there's a few birds, he's having a laughing and joke with his dad's looking, what's going on here? So I said, look, his dad went, said, we'll get him home. We got him a taxi home, didn't live far from us. And the next day, got a knock on my door, and it was old man, he bought me a massive thing of coffee, like coffee beans. Oh, that's from here from Brazil. At the time, nobody was drinking coffee. Are you, everybody will be on it. We should have realised we should have bought into coffee then because everybody's got coffee yeah. shops now. But that's where the family was. It was brilliant. So you were £1 million. Janino were five. Yeah. Touched back at the races at Ripon. Well, I'm, I'm not sure it somebody. We, we had, it, was, it was Wilkinson's birthday and all the, all the players there. If he was at Middlesbrough, it's like, we're going out, lads. Everybody would turn up. The one one lad saying, Nick Barnby turned up. Nick Barnby wasn't a drinker. One of them, they don't drink, but he still turned up because he knows the team spirit. We're, we're having a few bets, having a few beers, and going away. And then at the end of the race, we have a around. Janino comes flying past on this on this horse. Like, then I thought it was a jockey. He was in fact suggesting Robert, get him off that, for God's <laughs> That's the way he was. He was having a laugh and a joke. But he'll get dear to the team, wasn't he? He didn't. The boys loved it, and he was good. Yeah. Do you know what? He was he was five foot five, but you know, he put his foot in there, he closed people down. And in fact, anybody, he started the press formers. He went closing people down and People say, what a good footballer. I mean, he, he works his socks off for the team. And he did work his socks off for the team. That's why he's such good. A trigger for everybody else. A trigger for everybody else. Yeah. And you give him it, he danced past six or seven people. They don't kick him up in the air because he was that small and that strong. Nobody could knock him off the ball. I want to bring you up to final of Leicester. They actually did a job on Janino, didn't they? Yeah, they did, yeah. Is it the, if I remember right... Put a Greek line on it, just proper mm. man marching. Yeah, they bought somebody on, I can't remember. We played him about four weeks early in the league and beat him 4-5-1 at Filbert Street. We got to the final and they changed it. To be fair, you look at the final, we got one nil up in extra time. It was the better time. They changed it and they'd gone 4-5-1 and blocked the midfield off to Manta And he never played well, but we won one nil up and then we conceded last kick of, the, of extra time. And then we lost in the final, which was a kick, but we was the best team on the day. But you just have to score that second goal, don't you? We didn't. We never scored that second goal, and it cost us in the end. We're going to have to get to it, the old Ravinelli. The Ravinelli, yeah, Ravinelli. Yeah, good friend of mine, as everyone knows in Middlesbrough, the trouble I had with him. But we had Viv on. Viv said, at home, it was awesome. Unbelievable. Only scored one goal away or something oh, daft yeah. like that. Away, yeah. forget it, you've saying. I mean, that's the time with your team spirit. So at home, he would, like, come off his shirt. It was off at hat-trick against Liverpool's first game, so he's making it. Then he scores. We're playing the cup competition. His goes five against Chester at home. Go away from home. You never saw him. But even worse, you used to go to away games, and I was waiting to get all your food. He had, he had his own chef turn up and just serve him on his own while the rest of the lads are, are waiting. And then on the way back, he'd get a car home, and we'd all be sat on the coach and like, what's going on here? So he got treated a little bit different. And at that time, our club had done so well by everyone being together in a team spirit and all joining. Janino was a team spirit. No, no, do you want to get count? No, no, I'm with the players. Maybe got beat 4-0. No, no, it's about being the players. And we might sit on the back of the coach, have a game of cards and have a chat about the game. 
but he was there a part of it and he definitely have his say Gino. rather than he was like mm, it's not for me but didn't want to get involved with anybody me myself and i and is that, that like the changed. cracks of the bonding going a bit that, there? He, he was going but if you're looking at now he was that superstar you have to treat differently as us probably players didn't think oh no we all get treated the same which we did john everybody got treated the same maybe every now and then robbo let him but robbo let him get away with murder he was getting away with anything did what he want slagging all the team off in in italy Right. And then said, oh, sorry, they misinterpreted me. Yeah, good one. And that, oh, the training ground's crap, the players are crap, this is crap. And in the end, the boys didn't have him, and that was the problem. Were you there when they went down where they got deducted points and everyone yeah. were ill? Yeah. Well, was that, everyone ill? Well, I think there was a bit of... It wasn't COVID, they had a bit of a cold. So we was meant to play Blackburn away, and we'd just done 11-11 on the pitch, and then decided to cancel the game. But we just had 11-11 on the pitch. And then we had a few illnesses and a few people was off. A few of the big boys was off. Big Nigel was injured, Gene was ill, so and so, so so. We had a couple of injuries. So they just cancelled it. Really, if you look back now, we go play the game, you still get beat at Blackburn, we still stay up. Yeah. Because we got deducted three points, we got beaten two cup finals that year. And then when we went to play Blackburn, we got beat one nil by him. It was a disaster. Absolute disaster. Is that being too clever for their own good? That'd be too too clever. If you was at Man United, if you was a Liverpool, you'd got away with it. Yeah. But you was in Middlesbrough and you didn't get away with it. And that was just trying to safeguard you staying up as well. Sent, that was the yeah. thing that sent you down. It set us down. And then, as I say, things changed. Then, didn't Gino end up going, they had to sell him. He goes for 12 and a half million to Atletico Madrid. People were getting pulled out to pay so much for Ravinelli. He never went for so much. He was sulking and he, the, the, the atmosphere got poor in the in the camp. So in the dressing room, I mean, obviously a big split with Ravenelli and did anybody go on Ravenelli's side or was he on his own? They, they brought in uh, Pia Fester. Fester came yeah. in, big centre-half. I mean, them two stayed together because they looked after each other. OK. Janino and uh, Emerson, they was on... No, no, it's a team split. Emerson was a great lad. Great lad. He, 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 he was a proper player. But he's one of the boys that'll have a beer after the game and a chat. And if you, people won't go in right, he used to run around training grounds and say, come on, you want more of people. He built into it. He was having it. When Rab started getting away with what he wanted to, Emerson thought, if he's going to get away with it, I'm going to get away with it. And he did. He went back to Brazil and never came back. He never came back for two weeks. He's always in Brazil. And the club are going mad and the press are f- driving all over the country to find on him. I can remember one day, this, so for some reason, in the back of my car, I had a black wig. God knows how we got to this black wig. So we're training at the training ground and there's press, there's thousands of press, but I'm not So I get covered in boot polish, put this black wig on, start running out. Brian Robson went absolutely mad at me. You can't bet. And then I've seen the people, oh, he's back, he's back. <laughs> but you can have a bit of banter then. But them boys, Ravenelli, they wouldn't put a banter. They was there to make some money and leave. Yeah. It was different then. They were getting, getting 40 grand a week. It's different, isn't it? But that's the difference. You start to lose that spirit because of that, don't you? And you can see it yeah. as the team gets elevated, as you get established, looking for yeah. better players, looking for you know big yeah. names coming in. But they come in, they actually yeah. kill the spirit, don't they? Exactly. We brought Branko in, World Cup winning left back. So, and I mean, we, we, this, when he came in, he came in, I think he came in end of November, December time, and the pitches were frozen. So we had to train at the prison. So we go to this prison, Branco's first day. He said, I've got two days, I'm here. We're turning on the... Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. 3G inside the prison gates. And this was a maximum security prison. We're in. So everywhere, cluck, 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 cluck. Everyone was like porridge spoon. You know, when all the gates come, we're in there. And this bloke said to me, Coxie, he had a big yellow patch on his back on his thing. You owe me three Mars bars. I bet you to win 2-0 Saturday. And he's screaming outside his cells, hanging on to the... We're in this plane. And Branco comes in on this 3G. was dreadful. He was pinging balls. He was shooting for 45 yards. Anyway, they signed him. So when he went to put his... He, had, he said, well, how old are you, Branco? I said, oh, 34. But when he showed us his passport, he said, <laughs> the club signed him on a two-year deal. Just what was going on at the club at the time was crazy. And he signed by training on a 3G in a prison. In a prison. Maximum security prison. Did he do all right, though? He did, didn't he? He did all right at the start. He yes. did all right. And then it... I don't you know what? If he'd have gone Saturday, Saturday, he'd have been fine. But when it went Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, he was thinking, Jesus Christ, a lot of games here. They wasn't used to it. Them boys were never used to it. And that that's, was the problem. Right? And that's when you got to start chopping and changing. Chopping and, and changing, yeah. And then boys weren't happy. Yeah. Rather than Ellie got left out, or they... Gino would be happy. Gino said, yeah, leave me out. They never did. But he was like, Gaffer, if I'm not playing well, rest me. Robert said he'd not turned off. I said, I'm not played well, rest me. So I said, what? That's the way such a character was. The others, no, I'm playing. But you're having one. Don't worry about that. I'm playing. And you know when them big boys come in, you're struggling. Tail wags a dog. Exactly. Was it time to leave? Were you ready to leave? I was out of contract. I'd signed, I'd signed a three-year contract there. They'd offered me a new one. But I think it was time to leave. I'd done three years there, played 100-odd games in three years with a couple of bad injuries, broken collarbone, a couple of something else. And I just thought, I could just fancy a new challenge, what was going to come up. There was opportunity at the time you could go abroad on a free transfer. Middlesbrough were panicking like mad because they thought I'm going to go on a free... They paid a million quid for me. They're thinking he's going to go on a free transfer here. And then obviously the, the move to speak to Bolton's Colin Todd came up then on the day, on the day, on the Sunday after the cup final. Colin Todd rung me. That's, That's how, that, Yeah, he rung me on, on the way back. He said, where are you? So we're just on the, on the train back from King's Cross. I'm a few drinks and I just want to see if you come and meet me this week. I know you've got a couple of options. I said, yeah, no problem. I'd love to come up. So we met at, what's at the, the, the hotel at the top of the hill in Bolton. Last drop village. The last drop. We met, met in there. That's how it came about. But I was only going for talks with Colin. I just said, I knew Andy. We mean John and spoke. I knew Andy Todd and I played with him. And I, and I was, I always liked Colin was when I met him. I think he had something to do with Middlesbrough because obviously he was at Middlesbrough yeah. and everything like that. So when you'd met him, he was always polite. And by the way, he rung me. So he would like to come join Bolton Wanderers. I said, look, I'm going to come up and talk. So I've spoke to a couple of people in, in Italy, but definitely come up and have a chat with you, and I did. Must have said the right things then. He did. At the time, they was paying stupid wages up. They was paying silly wages, Bolton, to be honest with you, because I was surprised. I never, yet again, no no agent. I just sat there and said, Colin, I'm going to come and have a chat. I think they got there at the morning, about seven o'clock in the morning. We're meeting at eight o'clock, me and Colin. 
And I got there at seven o'clock. I went down for breakfast and he was in there with his secretary at the time. I forgot his name. Des McBain. was really nice. Do I have a bit of breakfast? Then he said, there you go. That's what we're going to offer you. And I went, oh my goodness me. And it was like head turning money from work, what I'd been on. So I can remember going, so I got on the phone. I was getting married that summer. So I got on the phone. I said to the, the girlfriend at the time, I said, I think I'm going to go to Bolton. So they've offered me a, a great deal. The club is just what I like to do. Just left Middlesbrough, family club, good bunch of lads. Played against them the year before and they played nice and neat football. I thought it'd be ideal for me to progress it. Go into another new stadium and we took us round there. I thought, this is a, a great move for me. I had an uncle who was a massive Bolton fan who kept telling me every time, he said, go play for Wanderers, you'll love it there. And that's how it came about. Colin Todd sold it, the dream of what they wanted to do and how they wanted to play. He did say it's going to be hard for moving from that ground to that ground because Burnham Park was a special yeah, place. Was. It was Burnham, it was a special place. And you say, I never saw that, but I played some games at Burnham Park, the atmosphere, semi-final, quarterfinals and things like that. Atmosphere is special at them places, a bit like Middlesbrough. Airsoft Park, they're special. You go to the new stadiums, they're never the same. And it wasn't, was it? Takes a long time. Long time. It's still taking time now, isn't it? Yeah. Can I just go back? So you met Colin. Mm. No agent. No agent. They've chucked a figure what's far best contract you've had. Yeah. You're still young. Yeah. You sat there, back of your head, you're thinking, fucking hell. Mm. Have you got to, like, keep your cool thinking, do you ask for a bit more? Well, I did. You, I mean, what, what, because <laughs> you've got... It's human nature, isn't it? I did. I did when my dad said I'd worked for 35 years for British Rail. You better take that deal. I didn't take him. And my mum said, do you want to take your dad with you? I said, no. oh, I want to make some money at this football game. So, no, I didn't. But I did a little bit of negotiate myself. I wasn't mad. But I said, oh, I'd like it. I'd like a, a appearance money fee. Well, we're expecting you to play. I said, yeah, but things are changing in football. You want appearance money. You want this and you want that. And I thought, if I say five things, they might give me two of them. And that's what they did. I said, I asked for this, I asked for that. Yeah, yeah, we'll give you that. Yeah, we're not having that. Well, I want relocation. I'm in the hotel. I want this and this for this. Yeah, no problem. And they, no, you're not having that. No, you're not having that. Okay, then we'll agree. And that's how it was. I'd was learned fine. from what other people have said to you, but yeah. I didn't want somebody sat there getting half or some of my money that I'm going to have to pay this agency. So at the time, I was paying the agencies, not the clubs. That's right. So I said, like, I'm not going to pay somebody. People said, you could have got more out of that. So I was happy. Well, Three-year contract, I was happy what I signed. And do you know what? At the end of the day, as long as you're happy, it doesn't matter what anybody else is getting. If you're happy, you're happy. I didn't bother what anybody else. I no. didn't bother the rest of me. Eh? But I was bothered what, yeah, I said, that's an unbelievable deal. It was what I was thought at the time was a great deal. I still thought, and now I look back and go, what a deal I got at Bolton. Mm. I think I was there for your debut. Southampton away. I thought we played Coventry away. We're losing 2 0 and B. Peter Bainsley, come on. No, no. Southampton. Sa- my man was Southampton, yeah. wasn't it? Did we play away a couple of games early doors? We yeah, were we didn't weren't ready. Blakey scored. Blakey we scored. Yeah, Blakey scored. And we couldn't play at home because the ground wasn't ready, was it? That's right. So we played there, there. And it I, must I have been Coventry early doors away then. Yeah, Coventry was two or three games after. Yeah. Because I did my hamstring. I did my hamstring in the, in the first game and then did I go all the way through prison and did my hamstring in the first game at Southampton and I missed the next 10 or 11 games and then we had a few injuries. Obviously, Robbie Elliott had a really bad injury. Right. A few other injuries and what, jeez. And then the Everton game, which... Cool. As we talked about. about the Everton game when the ball was hit the back of the net and obviously the referees had some stick. It was an unbelievable decision that was live on Sky that let them get away with it. That was never really... He never talked about on Monday football, really. They should have still been talking about it now. Calm down, Jerry, if you're watching this. Yeah, Jerry, yeah. <laughs> and you. Yeah. Yeah. No, but we spoke earlier on, right? And, and, and uh, speak to the big man now. And, and 
denied that opportunity to break his name in history. His first goal scorer in Box and he hasn't got that. Craig, Craig Ignitz at uh, uh, Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough. Craig Ignitz scored the first goal, renowned for it. Now, still gets invited back every year. But Terry scored the first goal, and he's one, and it's not a fluke. It's gone over by a foot easily. And more. Yeah, and more. He hits the back of the net when he comes out of it, and not to be given, and not to win the game, and then we get relegated, really. By goal I difference. Mean, you just look at that game. If you beat Everton at home, we're a good side, meant to be a good side that year. They were just on a slippery stuff. That gives you confidence to build on. We started all right, haven't we? Absolutely. All of a sudden, we've got 11 points after three games. You go, they're going to be an handful this year. Well, you look at it. I mean, we were forced the first, what was it, first four or five games Forget, yeah. to play away from home? Yeah. So it was a reasonable start. Yeah, reasonable start. And, 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 and as I say, atmosphere around the place, because they got promoted the year before on 100 goals and 101 points. The atmosphere around the place was brilliant. Yeah. It was all, everybody took the mickey out of everybody. You got in there first in the dressing room because you didn't want to get battered if you walked in when everybody, Whoa, what are you wearing? Whoa. It was brilliant atmosphere. In a little chain, and everybody was in it together, wasn't it? That was good. It was, a good, it, it was good. And that was part and parcel of, of joining that sort of club, wasn't it, yeah. really? Got some names here. We just talked about Jerry Taggart because he was a proper centre half. Yeah. But this lad was a crazy man. I don't think he stuck to his position. Mark Fish. Yeah, Fishy came in, yeah. So we was in the hotel, me and Robbie, and, and Colin Todd came in with him. As we sat in there, and it was just remember, oh, Fishy signed for Man, uh, Fish from South Africa signed for Man United, and he was on Sky. And me and Rob looks, he's, well, he's, he's in Bolton at the minute, and it's not far from Manchester, but it looks like he's signing for for them. So we, I ring a friend of mine up. I said, I don't think he's going to mind. Get a few quid on it because I think he's signed for Bolton. She's in the hotel with us. No way, and he was in the hotel. He was a great lad, great lad, Fish. A bit different money. Yeah, he was. He was better if you played five at the back. He'd be spare man. He just got wondering money. He never knew what position he was playing, did he? He'd come out with a ball, he was decent. I mean, yeah. he was, he was like a midfield player. But the fans are like, even though you lot are going mad pulling her, the fans are like, they'd be yeah. loving it, wouldn't they? He ended up centre forward sometimes and like, didn't get back, did he? But Fishy, get, no, no. He was one that didn't win about winning football. He wasn't interested in that, was he? He'd come from South Africa and he's a superstar and he had wineries and this and that. He didn't really worry about it, did he? Just loving life, wasn't he? Loving he wanted life. to play football. Yeah, he just wanted to play football, didn't he? He's a good lad as well. Yeah. Good round of one Really place. good. Yeah. Dean Oldsworth, we had him as well. Yeah, felt for Dean, got a lot of stick when he came in. Struggled because obviously we played this certain way. Had to play into feet. Dean Oldsworth wanted it wide and crossed it. Didn't want to hold it up. Didn't endear himself to Bolton. He thought he did. He didn't. I can remember the story where he said his nana died and he was on the TV doing the Brit Awards, walking down the steps there, be told all the staff and everybody, oh, my nan's dad, I'm not going to be in, we're all watching television. He comes down the Brit Awards giving pri- pri- prizes. I don't go down very well, does it? Just to get on the Brit Awards. And that was that, that was Dean for you. It was a Southerner came down, different sort of character. I mean, John Sheridan used to batter him. Batter him, didn't he? But to be fair to him, he changed his career at the bottom, didn't he? Sam came in, Sam probably suited him, played forward, get it wide, he did, he did all right in the championship yeah, did, to get yeah. us back Change in. Yeah. Change your style was yeah. suited him. He yeah. didn't suit him. Every time he went to his feet, he'd give it away. He didn't want it to his feet, did he? And, and, and you felt for him a little bit. He was, and he's paid, what, 3.5 million for him? For he was out, then, was that was yeah. massive. That. Record fee at the time. Record fee. He was, he was, he was struggled, struggled a little bit. Peter Beardsley as well. Peter Gomez, brilliant. He was, Unbelievable. He was a great character. Honestly, he was brilliant. You just couldn't believe it. No. He trained, he run, he, he tackled, he kicked people. On a Friday, he used to come on the back of the bus with this bag of chocolate. And I'm not saying there was 100 bars in it. There must have been 300 no. bars of chocolate in this carry bag. For the lads? It, for him. And he never had pre-match meal. He didn't do no pasta and, and scrambled eggs. He just sat there chocolate. Chocolate. 
And he's, he's, anybody want anything? But he's a good, good character, sure. wasn't he? Let's give this some content, though. Content. He was actually probably about 36 and 37 year old then, wasn't he? Was, he? Yeah. he was still brilliant. And fit as a fiddle, wasn't he? Fit as a fiddle. And, and he didn't look like it, did he? Because you could tell he liked chocolate. But he was brilliant around. Do you know what, though? You, you looked down and you've watched him for years. Yeah. He did that little thing with his hip and you yeah. bought it every time. When we did it in training the first time, we all went, wait till he does it. And he did it and we all, hey! <laughs> 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 we all stopped and he was but, laughing. But he was people knew were coming but couldn't yeah. stop it. Couldn't stop about it. He was brilliant. He Absolutely. was brilliant. Didn't suit him. Him and, him and Colin Todd didn't seem to get on for some reason, did they? I don't know what happened. I, think was, I don't know. I don't know what happened there. I could just see that 10, 10. He left him out a couple of times and didn't play him. And he was thinking, Jesus Christ, he got a good play. Well, again, you've been there, right? And when you bring in somebody that experienced, such a well-known yeah. name, there's got to be that little bit of give and go, aren't there? there right? And obviously, at his age, yeah. probably not going to play three games a week. No. So... You know, there has to be a respect both yeah. ways there. And yeah. Probably Peter was at the stage where it yeah. was hard. He wanted to play every he game. To play. He came to the club to play, didn't he? But he didn't, and you could tell they had a little yeah. bit of a ding-dongs together. But he was he was a great... I like Peter. Yeah, he was I great. still speak to him now. He was great. Still, still had a conversation with him now. Still rings me every now and then. And I still text him if I need anything. Good character. Playoff final for Bolton. <laughs> yeah. Lost to Watford. Yeah. Again, this is my memories. We had a certain Ida Gooder Johnson. Yeah. <clears throat> missed a few sitters out, didn't he? We missed. I think Alec Chamberlain got man of the match. He got, he got an extra two year contract at Watford after that game in that Wembley. We battered him. Absolutely battered him. And then Nick Wright goes and scores this worldy of an of a overhead kick that could have gone anywhere. Mm -hmm. Just one of them world thing that goes over my head in the far corner. And then we counter attack. We miss a few other good chances. Um, per Fanson makes a good one. Somebody else makes a good one. And then we get counter-attacked and lose 2-0. And you're thinking, wow, this is this is dead and buried now. It's done. And I can remember going on the back on the on the coach on the way back, thinking financially the club was struggling. They needed to stay in the Premiership. The money they'd been throwing around was hard. Colin Todd was going to struggle for his job. And you felt, because the, the lads had worked the socks off, they'd got relegated the year before by a dodgy goal. And whatever happened at Everton and Wimbledon on the last game of the season, which probably I'm not allowed to say he was a con, and then you go to the next year, and we, I think we beat Watford by 20 points in the playoffs. We were 20 points, but you still lose. And the final, you think, well, you feel for the club a little bit here, and, and you did. And that's what happens. Oh, good were Ida. Ida proved it when he went to Chelsea. He was good enough. He was, when, he got him, when he got himself fit, he had loads of ankle problems. Loads and loads of ankle problems. He, he liked chocolate ankles. Every time somebody sneezed, he went over on it, and his ankles would go. But when he got them sorted out, when he got himself fit, to go to Middlesbrough, I think Bolton so sold for four million. It was probably a snip at the time. A snip goes and plays for Chelsea and starts for them. He's an excellent player. Mm. Excellent player. You've got Barcelona as well. Yeah, PSV. PSV. Well, was that's his dad. With Bobby Robson. Yeah, yeah. So he played with his dad. The, didn't he had the ankle yeah. problem at PSV. Yeah. But what a player! I mean, the first touch and everything else yeah. about him. He was just magnificent. He just knew where somebody else was. Then he used to cut the, and play people in. And as you say, got to go to play for Chelsea. Play for Barcelona, them teams, if you're not ability. When he gets himself fit, yeah. he was always a stocky build, so people thought he was overweight. He wasn't, but when he got himself super fit, he was a proper player. Yeah. Proper and good, really nice lad. So we lose to Watford. Yeah. Then they come knocking on the door. They come knocking on the door as the season started. Yeah, Colin Todd left. Colin Todd lost his job. Phil Brown took over for five games, made me captain. So Brownie got his five games where he won four and drew one, did he, before Sam came in? He was unlucky not getting he was a job, unlucky. wasn't he? Yeah, he was unlucky. And I felt for Brown at the time. Brownie got a team spirit together. 
and got everybody to go. The poly, uh, Colin was under pressure because we spent all this money. Blakey had gone, Per Franson had gone, Arne Gunnar Lagsen had gone. He was trying to get the, they needed the money. And, and you looked at the team he was bringing in. Ricardo Gardner had just come in and he was miles off it, miles off of playing in English football. But he's not going to play and he's going to go. And then obviously he lost his job. Brown, he got us organised for them five games. As I say, we won four and he drew one. And then Sam comes in. Things change. The club changes from a nice, calming atmosphere around the place to Sam's in charge. This is what you're doing. That's it. And and players took it on board and some couldn't handle it. He yeah. was old old school. They'd been to Colin, thought he was a nice footballer. Nah, stats, get it forward. Just run every day. That's how it was. I didn't mind it. But that's the way Sam was. Going back to Brown, he probably, as you said, very, very unlucky he didn't get the job. Probably change of direction was probably what was needed at yeah. that time to, for the club. Yeah. Big Sam coming in brought that, didn't he? He brought yeah. his presence and, yeah. and leadership probably into, yeah. into the football club. But yeah. Brownie carried on really what Colin did, yeah. playing the same football. Exactly. And again, very, very unlucky. Very unlucky. But if, you, if Brownie, as you've, you've spoke to Brownie, if he looks back on it, he's probably the best thing that happened to him through his managerial career. He will learn under Colin Todd. He was also going to learn under Sam different ways. Because in the end, Brownie went to play more like Sam did than Colin Todd did, did he? In his manager gear, he set up teams to play a little bit forward a bit more and play for stats and things like yeah. that. So he probably learned more, Brownie. He'd probably say that. But he learned. But Sam was completely different. I can remember the first day he brought in, he brought the thingy twins in, Chuckle Brothers, the fitness guys. That's right. Yeah. And they looked at the training ground, there's poles just all over the training grounds, and everyone and back, and like, what's going on here? It was completely different. But that's how Sam was. Didn't mind. I got an all right. He had to be fit and had to for the be. way he played. And where they play, play forward. Yeah. I didn't bother that one that bit. So back to the Premiership. Yeah. Nearly not for long, were it? Not for, it wasn't for long because, as I say, I can remember I drove up, the deal was done between the two clubs. So I drove up on a, on the Friday to do the deal at Watford. Yet again, no agent, did it myself. Got yeah, everything sorted out, not a problem. Waiting for Bolton to pay a little bit to leave and everything has to be sorted out. So I played the first game back in Sheffield. So we played at Sheffield. I think we drew 2-2 two -two at Sheffield. Went back to Bolton, where I was living, just had a baby. My, my oldest daughter, Georgie, was born in Bolton. And uh, so on the Sunday night, I'm travelling back up to, to Watford, trying to find a hotel. Cannot find a hotel. I managed to find it late on. Got in the Monday morning. Got him to tell us, can I have a word? No problem, gaffer. Oh, he's going to make sure he's settled in. How's the hotel? He says, I'm not sure this is going to work. I mean, what do you mean, Zogger? I'm not sure you're our sort of player. I think I've had an offer from you, from Fulham. He says, we're accepting a fee. And that... I thought, he's got to be winding me up here. He's got to be winding me up. He wasn't. Fulham, Fulham had just been took over by Al-Fayyad in Division 2. And Ray Wilkins had said, oh, we'll take him after two days. I'd not even moved into the hotel. And he was trying to get rid of him after two days. And I was like, I'm in the Premiership. I've just left Bolton. I'm not going to go down and play, play for Fulham. No disrespect to Fulham. I'm not going to go down there. And I was just looking at the manager. How would you go home and tell the missus, oh, we're going to Watford, they're coming back and say, you know what's just happened today? Or even tell well, she any was, mates in football, I, anybody. Well, I can remember, I, I had an agent. I did have an agent. He was a London agent, but I didn't use him. I said, no, oh, I don't need to do that. We know what I'm going to, wages are going to be in that. He said, yeah, no problem, don't have to. And I told him, you're joking. He rang Fulham. He said, yeah, yeah, we made a bid and he's accepted it straight away. He said, there was no, well, what do you want from him? He they accepted it straight away. So there was no haggling. I just think, I can remember being in the in, end of the game. We drew 2-2 two -two and we was winning 2 And I had a go at a couple of players after the game. I remember having a go, come, we've got to do better than that. We're away at Hillsborough and we're giving stupid free kicks or something like that. And he wasn't having it. 
Graham Taylor wouldn't have been. That's probably why that I was one of them who was like, come on, lads, we've got to do better than that. If you want to stay in the Premiership, you can't afford to be 2 one up with a minute to go at Sheffield and, and draw 2-2. Two, two. You need to win them games. I don't think he was happy about that. But Did he play you much? My first year, he played about, I played about 15 games. And then when we relegated, he started playing me more. We got relegated early with him. And he started playing me more because he was... He knew I wasn't going. I had three and a half years left on a contract. I said, I'm not going anywhere. So I'm happy to fight for my position. The problem is that there was myself, Des Little. They signed Des Little as well. They never played him. So he must have had a thing about right-backs because he never played. They got rid of him after four games. Then I came in and I knew Des. So me and Des are looking at each other going, why has he bought me when you're here, Des? We're exactly the same place. He's trying to get rid of me. Now, when I said to Des, he's trying to get rid of me. He went, no way. So that's what happened. But... He went, it, obviously, we played the season, we got relegated, and the next season, we won the first 15 games, or 14 games. We was flying. But nobody was getting on with Graham Taylor, and he, was, he wasn't in all the time. He'd had an illness, so Kenny Jackett took it. So you can never go speak to the manager. The boys couldn't speak to the manager because he was never in. He used to turn up on a Saturday, and just manage on a Saturday. Kenny Jackett did everything. So you had no, and he used to knock on the gaffer's door because he was never there, and that was hard. Probably did you a favour though. Probably did me a favour, yeah. Because you know your relationship wasn't great yeah. with him overall. No. So and I got on well with Kenny. Kenny was just like, turn up and train hard. I'm going to tell who's, who's been the best players in the training, and they'll play. And that's what Kenny did. Couldn't ask for any more, could you? That's how it should be. Yeah, should, should be really. And that's how it was. Um, Changed a bit though when Jean Luc had come in, didn't it? Yeah, took a shine for you, didn't it? But not at first. No, not at first. Obviously. There was a few of us. Graham Taylor had said to had a meeting with John Lucas. Like, you need to get rid of Cox. You need to get rid of Page. You need to get a Palmer. You need to get rid of two or three others. So seven of us got bought on the transfer. Not even seen us. Luca never knew anything about us. I was being in the Premiership, Luca, and uh, so we got rid of us. I think Page went to Sheffield United straight away. But I was on this unbelievable contract with three years left, and they owed me some money to leave. So I said, "Are oh, we going to let you? We're going to let you go?" I said, "Oh, give me a free transfer." Pay me to go and I'll leave. Perfect. No, no, no. I want a million quid for you. I went, so you're telling me to go. You're not paying me up, but you want a million. Oh, that's not going to happen. So I, I just got on with it. And Luke had just treated me like anybody else. But I said, look, he never told me Graham Taylor thought it was a bad influence. So anyway, two or three games in. I'm playing golf on a Thursday at Brockett Hall. I mean, telephone went. I didn't, I didn't have a clue it was. So I answered it. Hello. And it's like an Italian voice. I said, yeah, lads, give it all that. I thought it was one of the lads winding up. Yeah, bring your tracksuit to him. But the phone down. Anyway, I said, no, Cox, he's Dan Luca. I said, all right, Gaffer. Yeah, so wind up. Yeah, bring your tracksuit to him. I need you to play. We're struggling for players. So I put the phone down. I thought, this is a wind up. I thought it was one of the lads winding me up. So when I got next morning, I just went in my normal gear, but I took the tracksuit in the back of the car and he said, have you got your tracksuit? I said, yeah, it's in the car, Gaffer. I said, yeah, you're going to play tomorrow at Wolves. So I played away at Wolves on the Saturday, played at home to Walsall on the Monday, and then the next five games are played and then we played away at Grimsby and we win, win 3-1 at Grimsby makes, makes me captain win 3-1 at Grimsby and he pulled me outside I want to apologise Graham told me Taylor I should never t- need to get rid of you he made my own mind up now you, you were staying when you met being my captain he says what are you doing tomorrow night I said nothing so we're going to go play golf my treat and he loved his golf he loved his golf so then you come round to my house we're having food round to my house we went to he said my driver will pick you up we went to this house in London. Oh, my God. It was unbelievable. It was like a palace. So I get there. The driver drops me off. So I knock at the door. And this butler answers the door. Come in, Mr. Cox. Like, serve me. So I take my shoes. I've got a big hole in the sock. And I'm, like, walking through this house. It's immaculate with the butlers. And 
this is what we're having to, what beers do you want? And he came up with about 25 beers. Look, he didn't drink. Do you want this? Do you want that? Oh, I'll just have a Budweiser or something like that. Like, the food was immaculate. The house was immaculate. I was drinking red wine and like, this is the life. And then that's how we got on with good friends after that. Always played golf for them. Who was there for dinner? There was myself, there was Ray Wilkins, who was part of the club, Dennis Wise, Kevin Hitchcock. They was, obviously, Kev was a staff. I think Dennis had just had a proms at Leicester at the time when they'd clumped somebody, I think. So he was dead, which is good as gold, Dennis. And a lad called Terry Byrne. Terry Byrne was the, the masseur. When Beckham gets sent off for England, he's the one who puts his arm around him and looks after him. And now, you, look, Terry came into Watford as a general manager. Now he's got this unbelievable agency and probably one of the biggest agencies in the world by looking after Beckham. Wow. How things have changed from master to the probably the just king, king, kingpin of agencies. Yeah. Happy times are at Watford then. Played a lot. Great time. Played a lot. 250 games. Scored a few goals one year. I think like 11 goals one year from centre-half when Ray Loonton took over. Obviously, Luke was only there a year. Then made captain and really enjoyed my time there. What was that one, John, like? Did you get a chance Absolutely to meet him? Brilliant. Yeah. As, as when you're captain, you have to go around to see him. So every captain of a year, you go around and say, just for the season signs, you go around and you say, right, we've signed so-and-so. He's got two kids, kids name so 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 And so he wants to know everything. And then when he comes to the game, they'll say, hello, Jonathan, how's Sarah? So he knew everything. Wow. He was brilliant. He used to come in, he was funny as anything. So he used to come in and say, right, lads, all the best. I'll come at the end of the game to get in the showers. And he used to like take Mickey out of himself, see what you've all got, and have a bit of banter with you. One year we went, we get, we have a, a fancy football. So the last person, we'd done a Christmas party. We're all going to Elton John's Christmas party. Everybody's got to dress as Elton John. This is some good lads we've got. So, yeah, everybody agreed it. But whoever loses the fantasy football has to stand outside the pub on Christmas and sing. And, and you're not allowed to come back in to get £5. So, we agreed it. We're all just as Elton John in this pub in Watford. It was brilliant. Well, Hyde Helgerson lost his fantasy football, but he had a stutter. I mean, a bad stutter. <laughs> so, he has to go outside, no problem. But he started singing and he was stuttering everything really badly. So, he must have took him an hour and a half to get this fiver. And then this time, I sent a message to to, um, to Terry, who sent it to, to um, Elton John. But an hour later, his driver come and said, here's some money from Elton John. Have a great Christmas party. Wow. Just by getting him in touch. But he said, he laughed, because Heidi was stuttering like, I'm doing this. Who did he have on? I don't know if he probably played. I don't know if he played when you were there. Well, Paul Devlin. Elton John signed him, didn't he? That's right. Did he? Yeah. yeah. Elton John signed him. Yeah. He said... Uh, oh, Paul Devlin, that's when I was there. Yeah, yeah. Dev was there, yeah. Dev yeah. took it. He paid his wages. Yeah, yeah one, one player right. a season, he'll pay his yeah. wages, yeah. And he did, and after me, because I can remember going to Elton's house, he said, Coxie, what size shoes are you? I'm a nine, it doesn't matter. Anyway, when I, when I left, Gavin Mann took over me. He said, Gavin, go to Elton John. He'll ask you what size you are. Say you're a six. He said, I'm an eight. Tell him you're a six. He says, why? Just tell him. So he'd go into his meeting, Gavin Mann and all this. I said, Gav, what size shoes are you? So I'm a six. Perfect. Go in that room. He had 500 pairs of Prada shoes, size six. Gab took them all. He was a size eight and just sold them. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the way he was. He was brilliant. If you ever need anything, yeah. he'd come in or he'd help you out or whatever. We, we, we get paid. We had to take a pay structure. We had to pay this pay cut. And I had to do it all and go save the lads. Look, me 12 and a half percent. It was difficult. Some of the lads were in decent money. Some of the lads were in really good money. But some of the lads were on firms quid, but still wanted to take 12% pay cut. But I had to, ITV Digital had gone messed up. Anyway, we took this pay cut. That year, we got to two cup semi-finals. 
So we never got the money back. And like, we've done unbelievable. We came in and played Sheffield United on our first game away from home when, when the boys were together and they thought the club was going to go tips up. And then Elton John had been doing a gig somewhere in Holland or somewhere. So he come past in his massive car and Ray Lewington said, just had Elton, or Sir Elton on the phone, he's going to drive past him. Make sure you give him the thumbs up. So all of a sudden, this massive car comes past. It slows down. You see Elton John going, but hand on his head, head out the window. <laughs> That's what he was. And he gave us a thumbs up. Yeah. He said, Oh, thanks for all your help. He was brilliant. And that's what you want as a as a president. Yeah. As somebody who he wasn't going to keep throwing money, throwing money. He's thrown the money a long, long time. But he was there to help. If any lads needed any help or could do this or bring a player in to help the club out, he'd help. help. And that means more to anybody that. Well, you know what I mean? Because he's taking an interest. Yeah. He knows the families and everything. Yeah. Meeting people and everything. That, that means a lot to me. Yeah, and he'd done that from... I remember playing with Kevin Richards at Aston Villa. I, on, a, on a Saturday night, he'd take all the families back to his house, have a few drinks and play a bit of music and a piano. But I, he knew them days were over because the lads weren't drinking like they used to and yeah. didn't pass. But just to keep in touch with everybody, I think, oh, that's brilliant as a chairman. Yeah, brilliant as a chairman. I'm going to jump forward a little bit here because I want to talk about your coaching and your managerial career. So you finished at Watford, spell at Cardiff and Crewe, and then, back with your friend at Wimbledon. Yes. So after my career finished, I I, uh, I moved to Portugal for a couple of years. So I, I had a bit of time. I want to spend a bit of time with the kids and spend a bit of time. So we, we moved over there. It was quite funny, actually, because Brownie was always on old deal there. So Brownie used to come over regularly. Not Brownie, like for a suntan. I was there with the suntan, coming a bit of family. And then he was working at Hulley, kept saying to me, there's an under-21 job for you, right up your street. I'm like, wow. I'm enjoying the sunshine a bit. Then I thought, oh, I'll have a bit of that. And then we got the sack. So I thought, oh, my God. So that didn't happen. I was already moving back. And then the job with Wimbledon came up. Me and Neil Hardy had played England together. And we always said, if you get, one of us gets a job, we'll go with the other one and, and be like, and that's how the Wimbledon got, job come up. We went for a, we can remember going for a meeting. So we're in this posh hotel in London. We go to the toilet and lock ourselves in the toilet, me and Ards, to go to the toilet, we travel. The two lads who'd just been in the meeting before us come out and go, that was an hard question, wasn't it? What about the one with so-and-so, so-and-so? But me and ours were listening to it. So when we came out, we thought, if that question comes up, we know what to say. So we said, then we're asking the questions, we're doing, doing Harry Bassett's in there asking questions and so-and-so's had the chairman ask this question. So if this happened, what would you do? Well, I'd said so-and-so, so-and-so, we'd get the, the, the owners on board, the chairman on board. We'd make sure it's a part of the football club that deals with the situation, not the manager. And I, was, I think it's good there because the players need to know who's in charge. It's not just about the staff. And they looked at me and what a good answer. Yeah. It's only because we've been sat in the toilet when you were screaming. <laughs> you know, if I asked you this question, yeah. who were they? You're going to say, I forgot as well. No, I can't remember what it is now. <laughs> I, can't I think it was Darren Curry and Robert Page, I think it was. Yeah. So we were sat in the mad, didn't it? So hiding, we were never hiding, had, hiding in the toilet. Got the job. We were like, what do we come back? And that got us a job. Wow. And, and that's how it checked. That's how we started there, which was unbelievable. Did a great job, didn't you? We did an unbelievable job. Yeah. And that's not just saying that. We had the worst, but we took over bottom of the league. There was a drift. They had the, a lad in there helping him called Simon Bassey. He'd played for him in the non-non-leagues when they started again. And he, he took over and won one game and drew one at four or five, I think. So... He told us everything about us. We kept him on for the first year. We said, you're going to stay on the first year. You're going to help us out to get to know people. And he was brilliant. He helped us out, got to know anybody. The chairman at the time, um, Eric, you get beat 5-0 at home. So home games used to be in his office for the meetings afterwards with the beers for the staff. He used to knock on, the, on his door and go, got beat 5-0 at home. He used to open the door. 
Nobody's died, lads. See you Monday. Close the door. That's how it is. Because he knew he was trying our best. Listen, Joe, we need, we need to raise a couple of hundred quid here, get a player in. I'll get something. So he didn't have the money to, to throw it in, but he helped us like a chairman should do what he wanted to. We end up staying up last game of the season, playing against Graham Alexander. He was at Fleetwood. So I said, Graham, we only need it. We only need a point, here, Graham. So we're 1 0 up, and then it goes 1 0. Then we score a penalty with 30 minutes to go. I look down the line, Graham Alexander's bringing three centre forwards on. And look at Gresgrin. I've been a mate with all this time. Oh, it's about winning. And we end up staying up. We won the last game and stayed up by, by one point. And then obviously we went on and got promoted on the worst budget in the leagues. Playing at Kingstonian, is that right? We played at Kingstonians, yeah. Really tight, narrow ground. It was ideal the way we was going to play. We was getting it forward, squeezing them in, got some good characters in. And that's how we carried on. And as you say, got promoted the, the, our third year. The second year we come, we had the worst budget again, I think. We come 13th. And then the, the, the board pulled us. It's quite funny because they had about five different boards. They had a footballing board. They had a, um, a, a club board, everything else board. It was all done by volunteers. There was only two, there was only two full-time people that, except for playing staff, was full-time. Mm. So it was all part-time. So to do anything was hard. So you had to go out with dinner with a bloke who used to come over. He was a director and go out for dinner with him on a Friday night. Somebody else used to come over on a Saturday morning and so sit and have with him. So he used to tell everything was going on. It was difficult. But Neil Hardy did it really well. And Jaime had to go out with one of them and he had to go out with stuff. So we knew he was on the same. We just said, look, we need a few more quid one year. If you want to get up there, we need a few more quid. I think we got 13th budget in the league and we won on the player final. Brilliant. 13th in the league, which when you're talking about budgets, usually they add up, don't they? Within two or three places. Yeah, two or three places. Phase. And yeah. our chairman used to say to us, there's your budget, you're 16th in the league. If you can come 13th, you've done an unbelievable job. And that's the way he was as chairman. Which is fantastic, yeah. isn't it? Expectations no are realistic. Yeah. We put our own pressure on ourselves. Can I ask a question here, what, coming from a fan? How do you know what budget, budget you've got compared to other teams because in the league? Because at certain time of the season, because of this, you have to tell the league, this is my playing budget. They're going to know anyway, because all the paperwork has to be got in. So, say ours was 1.1 million. So, go in and then they won't tell you who was who. They'll send you a piece of paper with 24 teams in it. There's the budget. So the tap team was on 7 million. Wouldn't say who it was, but you knew you was on 1.1 million. You knew you'd sent that in. So if you looked at the form and it's 1.1 million, you're 22nd in the league. You knew, well, that's where we are. And he used to show us that. I mean, not a lot of the managers used to get that. No. Because the manager said, well, you, you pay me this money to budgets. Don't you worry about that. He was honest with us. And that's what we get a few more quid in. He got about 300 grand from that year more. And we got promoted. You get any good players who you let on? Sold on? We sold. We got Lyle Taylor came in. Lyle Taylor was a lad who, who'd been around 15, 16 lower league clubs uh, and struggled a little bit and had an attitude. I, sat, I mean, Sheffield United paid 250 grand for him. He went to Scunny for 50. I knew he was, he was available. He had a bit of an attitude, but he just wanted to be loved. We got him in. He scored, I don't know, he's got a 60 goal for us in the end. We had Big Bayo came in. That's all going to come. Big Bayo was brilliant. I mean, pre season, he was ideal for me because I was 44 years of age going to run around with him just run around the centre because he was blowing but when the games come he used to whack it up to him his shoulders were massive he used to hold it up beat people up get it wide get in the box and edit and he was good around the place for the young lads he was brilliant but he didn't want to run around were you both uh, for the Liverpool Cup draw and the Cup game he was there for Liverpool games yeah and he's a mad there. Liverpool fan isn't he mad Liverpool fan and we played well on the night Stevie Gerrard scored two against us and, and, and he, he won in the game 
But they was like trying to fight with Bale. Bale was just like knocking them. He was massive. He was like 18 stone, but real, muscly. Like. He just seemed a nice character Great. as well, though, when he away from it. You know, the best thing about him, what we've seen, he played with some top players. They've all signed autographs. But he went out the way to sign everybody's autograph when he got on the bus and off the bus. He'd be signing autographs for everybody. Because he was the football big, strongest man, money, whatever it was. But he was brilliant at that. And he, when the things came in, can he sign this, can he sign that? He used to go back to the ground and sign everybody's. And you just looked at him and go, I know them top players, the Beckhams and all that. It's going to be difficult for him. And then just sign them like that. He used to speak to everybody and make sure he spent time with that little kid. And I just thought, I respect for him for that. He was brilliant. What a difference it makes. Yeah, what a difference. These guys remember it for the rest of their lives. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. No one's asked for the name. What's your name? Sophie. Two Sophie. Yeah. Bayo. Not. There you go. Pass it on. So you go to Scunthorpe, manage yourself, remit, keep us in the lead. Yeah. What a job you've done there. So, yeah. So obviously, for a few years, they spent a lot of money. I was an hometown boy. Always wanted to manage my, my hometown team. Always wanted to manage. This opportunity came when spoke to the chairman, said, look, times have been difficult. He spent a lot of money. He was, he was honest with me. He said, I need to keep the team up. I'm trying to sell the club. I need to keep the team in the league because it's going to be easy for me to sell if they're a league club, not a league club. Anyway, the first year we stayed up. The budget I was given was unbelievable, but the, he'd bought the players in before I'd got the job because I was working at Notts County the year before and we was in the playoff final, so the season didn't finish till late. So we got the job and he, oh, I brought six players in for you. Anyway, these six players wasn't really good enough, but he'd brought them in. And uh, so we stayed up the first year and then the second year, look, still trying to sell the club. You need to stay up again. And my budget had been cut by... 1.3 million. By 1.3? By 1.3 million. So I was bringing players in on 150 quid. Trying to get players in on, on, a, on a... Come sign for Scunny. I'm living in Chester. How much? Well, I've got 150 quid. How's that going to work out? And there was a promise. I, would buy, I, got, I got a couple of players in from Middlesbrough on loan. Uh, Hayden Hackney came in. Middlesbrough, because of me, representing me time with Middlesbrough, they looked after us. I don't pay us just to make sure you're playing. So I played him. He's gone back to Middlesbrough, been their best player for two years, and I wasn't paying him. He's like, thank you for Middlesbrough. Chairman said, just keep us up. And we're 10 games into the league, we're second to bottom, but I had two wins. Says, oh, it's not working here. So I, I lost my job. Which, that's the way in football, but my job was to keep them up. That was it. And with the budget I had, was unbelievable. Then the brought, Keith Hill came in after me. He was good, but I spoke to Lee. John will know him. Said so they gave him an extra half a million quid to spend. And he, he only won one game. And they've had two relegations since. I think they've only won seven games in three seasons. And you're thinking, and I wasn't playing the most interesting football, but my job was to keep him up and him to sell the ground. Now we can't sell the club because they've gone relegated two years. And you're just thinking, wow. that's how football is really. You get one opportunity. And I did my job. That's my job. If he'd have said to me, I need to get promotion, I'd have gone, sacking me. I'd have gone, I ain't got promotion. But my job was to keep him in the league, which I did. And was it now? Are you ready for getting back in football? Ready, ready definitely. Been doing a lot of work, been doing radio work, a bit of television work, more radio work because the facials are not the best. So I've been doing a bit of that. Um, yeah, trying to get back in. I had a bit of time out, uh, which we needed due to family situations. But now really ready to, ready to go. And yeah, got a new lease of life back into me. Learned a lot, probably watching more than you do. Because mm -hmm. when you're managing, you don't really see a lot because everything's going on. You, you're flying around, but... Yeah, done a lot of watching the games and beach training grounds and spoke to managers and, yeah, ready to get myself back in. And looking not just as a manager, 
as yeah. an assistant, as a coach. Yeah. Whatever, just football. Exactly. Just get back in, get back on the grass again. It, it doesn't b- bother me. As I say, I, I was assistant manager for 12 years and really loved it. And the pressure is easy being assistant manager because you didn't have to speak the scene. But I also like being a manager for everything falls back on me. I don't mind that. I don't mind the pressure on you. Yeah. But I say, I've, I've 25 years as a player, obviously going in as a 13-year-old, learned, learned some stuff. And now I'm doing a couple of years out, but probably learned more being, being out of the game by looking at people, by listening to people, by doing podcasts and listening to what they've got to say, all the players of their time they've had. I think it's, it's time that I got back in and showed what, what it's all about. Well, Neil, knowing you and knowing the way you are, you, you love football. Yeah. Football's your life. Yeah. And we need people like you in football. Yeah. You make a difference. Yeah. As you say, we have a laugh and a joke. We have a game of golf and all that. Like we talk about football. You talk about good times, talk about times... It's just endearing yourself to people is a big thing. You've still got... I don't like these people, managers of players, who don't get on with people. You need to talk to people and yeah. these are supporters. You've got to talk to supporters and that's what it's about. And hopefully I get opportunity to speak to a chairman or a director and, and put my points across. You'll get an opportunity to speak to a chairman because I tell you what, when you do, they'll see how much you love football yeah. as well and you'll get a job through it, no yeah. question. Yeah, so I hope so. But, Neil... To give you some more experience, you want some good questions and answers. So we've come to the time where it's John's rapid 15. 15, OK. Oh, John. Pressure on there. Pressure is on. Right. Neil Cox, rapid 15. Rory McIlroy or Tiger Woods? Tiger Woods. The Open or the Masters? Open. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Favourite manager? Ray Livingston. Old or New Wembley? Old. Favourite golfing holiday destination? Portugal. First result you look for on a Saturday? Scunthorpe United. PGA or Live Golf? PGA. Best stadium played in? Anfield. Ronaldo or Messi? Messi. Lynx or Parkland Golf? Lynx. Managing or playing? Playing. Hole in one? One. Wow. Favourite golf course played? Lot Lohman. Nice one. God's country. Yeah. Ryder Cup with the Open. Open. Well, you're stuck on the Open. Yeah. That concludes the 15. Neil Cox, you've been fantastic. And also say hello to Ian for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cheers, Ian. A few times, yeah. <laughs> Matt, no. I'll tell him because they won't know what I'm No, yeah. no. Yeah. Thank you very much, Jensen. You enjoyed that. Honestly, you're absolutely mm. magnificent. Not yeah. only a fantastic golf player, yeah. pleasure to be with as well, and great company. No, great person, it. and uh, someone who needs to be in football. Thank you, you very do. much. Appreciate that. If not, we'll play a bit more golf. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.